0: Living Life Fuller. Journeying toward independence through homeschooling, homesteading, and a whole lot more. Welcome to Living Life Fuller, episode number five Fall Project Montage. So it's been a few weeks here since we put an episode out, and we were really kind of hoping to try and get one out every week to 10 days, but that has not happened.
1: No, we've been too busy and too tired.
0: Yeah, we're kind of preparing for winter here in Iowa. You know it's winter because we had our first snow what? Week or two ago. Week or two ago, and now today it was 75 degrees. So that's how you know winter's coming in Iowa, because uh, in November, this seems to happen all the time, where... (laughs) it gets cold and then it gets hot and it's not uncommon to be standing in shorts on a friday and then a winter coat on monday and sometimes the other way around
1: back to shorts yeah
0: back to shorts yeah so today we just want to talk a little bit about some various things that we're doing to kind of get ready for winter and before we do that uh let's talk a little bit about the drink of the day now tonight we're sitting down there Sipping on some uh, various different things, and we thought, well, what would be a great drink to have for our drink of the episode tonight?
1: And it was such a perfectly crystal clear night out, saw a shooting star, so we decided to go with Starlight.
0: Yep, and we're also camping tonight, which you'll understand in a moment. So this bottle that we have of Starlight, uh, we actually have a few of them. We were part of a barrel pick team for one of the whiskey groups that we're in and we got to we we both happened to win the draw there were two seats up maybe three i can't remember random number there was about 10 people interested in going and both of us got our numbers drawn so we both got to go help pick this out so this is from the Starlight Distillery which is in southern Indiana not too far north of Louisville and it's a seventh generation farm and they makes some excellent spirits out there and they do a really nice tour if you're ever out in that area and you're interested in visiting distilleries uh, they're in uh huber on huber road in uh borden indiana um it's it's excellent it's not too far from starlight indiana as well so i think that's where the, the name comes and uh this is a wonderful little barrel it's uh, kind of sweet with a little bit of a uh i don't know cinnamony type of it's, it's
1: got some it's got some spice it's got some kick to it i mean obviously it's barrel proof
0: Yep, and it's an Indiana straight bourbon whiskey. If I didn't give that full name there, so um, they're an up-and-coming distillery, and they're well worth checking out if you can do that. So um, the camping part that comes into play in this. When we went out there, we decided, hey, we'll save a little money and we'll have a little fun. We like to go camping. Kids weren't with us, so we took the little tent, and we went to a state campground. We had our had a nice little nice little spot back on a, a loop, and what about 10
1: p.m. Yeah, uh, yeah, because we tried to go to bed early that night because we had a long drive back to Iowa.
0: Right, about eight and a half, nine hour drive, something like that. Without kids, I mean, you can actually do that in ten hours. You know, if we had the kids, it probably would have been a you know whole day. You know, oh, absolutely, fifteen hours or something. But <laughs> almost double. Um, so what happened? What happened around eleven, Stephanie, or ten, whenever it was.
1: Oh, you know, campgrounds. You get headlights shining right in the tent, and like, okay, someone driving by, but no. The headlights stay pointed at the tent. And uh, you know, because someone decides to roll up right before quiet hours and set up tents in the dark and tents. Use,
0: Not just a tent, tents.
1: Use their car headlights, you know, as light and and instead of the normal like two tents per campsite, they had at least three. Uh, instead of like a six person max, there was probably fifteen of them. Oh yeah, easily yelling and cussing and oh my goodness shining everywhere i remember
0: leaning over stephanie and saying man they sound like they're right outside my tent and after probably about a half hour i decided i was going to take a peek outside oh
1: longer than that we we gave them we're like okay well it's technically not quiet time yet let's give them till 11 and we waited and then at 11 it was they were still shining the lights and yelling and like, okay, well, let's give them just a little longer, just a little longer. It was probably 1130.
0: Yeah, and I think I peeked out around, and, and no joke, the edge of their tent was six feet from the edge of ours. Six feet. Uh, they were they were that far outside of their, their campground. So anyway, uh, tonight we are camping in our own yard. The kids are already out there, hopefully asleep and uh we're in here trying to knock out this podcast real quick uh had a nice little bonfire tonight um got to see some of the neighbors and some friends and i'm hoping that this is a much nicer night of camping than than that one was in august
1: i hope so too
0: i think it will be so anyway uh lots of stuff been going on and that's kind of why it's taking so long to get another episode out Um, I guess what have we been doing? I guess the, we, we we called our roosters finally.
1: Yeah. Uh, we butchered about seven of those.
0: Yeah. And we had done ducks before, but our only experience with butchering a chicken was the one time we did one in Congo.
1: Oh, that was a bad experience.
0: Yeah. That, that bird was so old and so stiff. We, we literally could not fold the legs on this thing up you know, at all toward the breast or or toward the body to get it to fit into the stock pot.
1: Well, you know, it took us so long to pluck it, it probably uh had gone into rigor mortis at that point.
0: <laughs> probably. Um and we've we've done ducks before and we've done those dry. We've tried boiling those and scald or not well you don't really boil them, but you heat the water up and you scald them and that helps loosen the feathers up. Um we the one time we did that we were using an open fire, not an actual like propane burner
1: it just didn't go, well. didn't go well. It was it was either too cold, and it did they wouldn't pluck well, or it was too hot, and the skin would rip and just
0: yeah, a so, hassle. So with these chickens, knowing that we had to do so many of them, we decided we we're going to go out. I
1: did some research.
0: Yeah, Stephanie, the, the researcher, of course, she said, okay, hmm, what what should we actually do to do this right? So we went out. We got uh, one of those two burner propane camp stoves. You know, like the little platform ones. Can you know connect our big propane tank to it and uh, how how hot do you remember we between water.
1: 145 and 150 yeah
0: so that seems to be the sweet spot if you get your water between 145 150 it's hot enough that it's going to loosen the feathers up
1: add a little dish soap
0: yep the dish soap helps cut through the the oil on the feathers which isn't as bad on the chickens there is some it's really thick on the ducks so i think next time we do ducks we'll we'll want to try this method as well yeah but that also just kind of helps get some of the junk off and stuff as well if they're they're a little bit dirty um Anyway, submerge the chicken in the water, use a wooden spoon or something to keep it down. Yeah, and I just
1: kind of stirred it around. And then after um after a couple minutes, I just pulled up a uh, a wing and if the flight feathers came out really easily, I'm like, "Okay, it's done." Um or if the skin on the feet started rubbing off. Uh Yeah, it just kind of
0: flakes off. You just kind of, you know, give it a little push with the thumb. So that worked really well. Saved us a lot of time, and a lot those of time. feathers just—I mean, it just—they slid right off the bird, practically off. It. You just could grab handfuls. That really saves a lot of time. Makes it nice and clean, yeah. easy to easy to clean up.
1: Yeah. Omri, whose birds they are, doesn't really like the butchering part, but Oliver enjoyed helping out plucking.
0: Yeah, he's pretty adventurous for an almost six-year-old, isn't he? Yeah. So that was a that was a good project. We we've eaten most of those birds, I think, by now. Maybe have yes. some in the in the freezer. I can't remember, but
1: uh, I've got some some hearts and stuff to do, some chicken stock.
0: Yeah, we'll have to talk about some some interesting recipes to do with um with chickens and ducks at some point. The other thing we did, so it's been kinda hard to keep track of everything because we've been doing all these different things. We butchered a goat. We got a goat from Stephanie's sister and well, it's actually Stephanie's my sister's, sisters in laws. In laws, yeah. Anyway, and they're basically family. Uh, they had a couple goats, and Stephanie's brother, or Stephanie's sister and her husband, and, and got one, and we got one. And wasn't super great weather for butchering a goat, but it wasn't super hot either. You know, we like it to be a little cooler to keep the bugs down. It was cool enough that most of the bugs aren't bothering us, but. Yeah. Made uh, the. i did do a goat stew. I did
1: goat stew and made some goat chow mein
0: yeah goat chow mein was fantastic you just find that recipe online yeah i have to have to post that recipe if you've not had goat before um i think it's really good
1: i mean i i found a a lamb chow mein recipe and substituted goat but yeah whatever yeah
0: um but if you have a place around if you don't have the ability to butcher goat yourself or you don't want to you know spend the money to get a whole goat you know, try and see if you can find a place around. A lot of times the Indian restaurants or we had a uh, a Nepalese restaurant. Nepalese mm-hmm. and Indian restaurant that was around here for a while. Sometimes they'll serve it.
1: African restaurants. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the most common meats in the world, honestly.
1: Yeah. I mean, for good reason. They're, I mean, cheaper to raise than cattle and, in my opinion, tastes better than lamb.
0: Right. And if you live in a place with no refrigeration, you know, it's it's a portion. The amount of meat that comes off of a goat is enough that you could you could feed a family over a few days or a, a larger group um, in one sitting without having to worry about uh, without worrying about it spoiling, going to waste, things like that. So, yeah, that was that was pretty good. Uh, Stephanie made a really good stew that uh, had a lot of fresh herbs and and uh, vegetables, and it makes her own broth. Um,
1: yep, I just uh, harvested herbs. Right before that snow, I <laughs> ran out at like 10 at night with scissors in a bucket and like, hey, help me get all these herbs inside and, uh, you know, wrapped them in some wet uh, paper towels and put them in Ziploc in the fridge for a little while and have been using them fresh. And uh, hopefully tomorrow I'll chop up what's left of them and put them in some ice cube trays with olive oil and freeze them.
0: Yeah, that's a trick that we have not tried yet, but we'll let you know how that goes. Uh, it's really handy, from what we've read, as just a way to preserve your herbs for use during the winter.
1: And um, I cook a lot of soup, so, you know, it'll melt right in a soup.
0: Yeah, yeah, just, uh, we got some extra large silicone ice cube trays, I think, were there, were they just the plastic ones?
1: Yeah, uh, just the plastic ones.
0: And so the idea is you just, uh, you cut up the portion that you need, fill the, fill the... Ice cube tray with the herbs and pour the olive oil and freeze them and and there you go. Once they're frozen, you can pop them out and keep them in a bag and and uh we also did a, we dried a little bit of the lavender that we had yeah because that just works better for teas and things. So just kind of cut that, left it sit on the counter for several days until it was nice and dry. And um, you can use dehydrators and things too, but you know it's easy enough just to let it sit for a few days or we've taped them up inside the the cabinet yeah, somewhere it's
1: not gonna get dusty
0: yeah <laughs> yeah so let's see besides that what uh, what was an, another one of the big projects oh are we finished fencing in some of the chicken yard
1: yeah the, the turkey yard the, the chickens sometimes would escape but man those turkeys uh loved to fly you know they like to roost they have roosts available to them but apparently none quite so great as the roof of our house
0: right yeah we were having a lot more chickens get out our main turkey or turkey i'm just called the poultry yard because it's got turkeys and chickens that main yard has about a four foot uh chicken wire fence and the chickens were able to fly over that for a while and what we did was we put in four ten foot four by fours we sunk them about three foot in the ground so about seven foot out of the ground we made that uh, a square inside the bigger yard the yard is about 35 by 35 yeah and so we put those in about five or six feet inside, so maybe about a twenty five foot square or something like that. and we took rope and ran like the marine grade rope you know that doesn't doesn't matter if it gets wet and stretched that into a square on top of those posts and then made a big X across it. and then what we did is we bought some aviary netting and we just drugged that out across and mm-hmm. zip tied it to the poultry netting it's
1: not pretty but it keeps the birds in
0: yeah it's not the greatest and you know we could trim wings and stuff but it's just for us it's just easier you know whatever this is something that'll probably last a few years before it wears out and i'm actually surprised i thought the leaves were going to get caught in it a lot more than they did but yeah, it not seem to too badly
1: been holding up pretty well
0: yeah and so we we did that a few weeks ago but we were still ha- and that kept the, the chickens in but we have a a little bit of a walkway that goes from our chicken coop past our turkey coop and then connects to the same big yard so both both coops are con- are connected to the same 35 by 35 yard but the turkeys were still flying out and it was like clockwork
1: every night at sunset up to the roof they'd go and it was I mean kind of amusing and they'd come right back down if they thought you were going to feed them
0: Sometimes they'd come to the deck and they'd just sit on the deck rail. I got a couple pictures, I think. We'll have to try and throw those up on on the blog. Um, The episode address today will be livinglifefuller.com slash five, because it's episode five.
1: Remind me also to put up the pictures of you working on that netting, because the turkeys would not leave you alone, and it was so funny.
0: Yeah, I had a a stepladder inside the yard so I could deal with putting the rope up, and there was a couple of the Narragansett turkeys, which are the brown ones. And they kept flying up to the top of the ladder. It just startled me the very first time it happened. It was just this big whoosh. And I turn and, no joke, six inches from my face, there's this this turkey sitting next to me. So yeah, it's kind of a good time. I, I really like turkeys a lot more than I thought I was going to. You know, yeah, they're, they're intimidating. Friendly. Yeah, but they re- they're really friendly, curious.
1: Well, the reason they're intimidating is because they come right up to you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and they have those big talons, and they're, you know, they're a little bit bigger than chicken.
1: Yeah. Chickens intimidate people, too, though. True. I just sat down in the poultry yard the other day, and all the turkeys came up and just hung out with me for a while.
0: They're so curious, too. They just, they see, you know, jewelry or a button on on your pants or your shirt or, you know, a zip tie sticking out of your pocket, and they just want to peck at it but you know it usually doesn't hurt too much or anything but it's just man i'm surprised at how much they just want to be right up in where the action is you know yes
1: uh speaking of them though uh they they always came up for the snacks and we just built a couple better feeders for them uh they eat so much uh their turkeys are one of the best uh animals as far as um, feed conversion feed conversion, right feed to protein but they uh man do they go through those little troughs of food uh
0: it's like having teenagers in your house or something seriously and this came about we've been talking about doing a different feeder but this really finally happened when the kids were at my parents for the weekend and steph and i were going out taking care of all the birds and you know as well as Omri does, you know, he's nine and he occasionally leaves things out. And so we were just kind of making sure everything got done, fresh bedding, food and water and all that stuff. And man, it took us at least an hour. Oh, yeah. I think
1: it it takes him about, about that,
0: which is fine. But we're thinking about winter coming, right? This is, this is about, you know, what, what are we doing before winter? You know, we're wanting to, you know, thin out, thin out the flocks and, you know, get stuff in the freezer, get those herbs harvested. Well, reducing our time or reducing omri's time the he'll spend out there in the winter was a, a big concern because it you know right now like i said you know it goes from being 32 and snowing up to 75 but soon we're gonna get to that point where
1: negative 10 it's
0: gonna be negative 10 negative 20 and wind chills make you feel like death um <laughs> if you live in a warm part of the country and you don't know what a wind chill is uh, it's it's like a heat index in reverse you know it's just how miserable your life is because the wind's blowing while it's cold and of course you know he's dealing with water and things like that and we're just thinking okay how can we speed this up how can we make this so he doesn't have to do quite so many things every time one of the things we thought was hey let's replace these little trough feeders with something different
1: yeah so we got a couple of uh great big how many gallon
0: Oh, I don't know, but I think you can fit two whole 40 or 50 gallon, or, 40 or 50 pound bags of feed in there. At least. They're big.
1: Um, Big big feed uh, like buckets. Like probably 30 gallons. With, with lids so the birds can't, you know, poop in them. <laughs> and, uh, and we dumped a c- couple bags in there. And then at the bottom, we've got uh, PVC that we've cut some holes and stuck into the side so they can stick their heads into the bucket and peck the food at the bottom of the bucket.
0: Yeah, so they're 45 degree PVC elbows essentially. So, it took the hole saw and cut holes. And if you're cutting through plastic, especially thin plastic like these these essentially they're like garbage cans or there's feed buckets. They're designed to be four feed. They're slightly translucent so you actually see how much is in there. But if you're cutting through something thin like that, um, just a tip, if you're using a hole saw, don't run it forward. Running running the the bit forward because that will just grab a hold of that plastic and just wrench that thing it's a good way to hurt your wrist if you're using the drill or just have it rip stuff up the secret is just get that so it's got you know if you're familiar with the hole saw it's got that auger bit in the middle and then that actual hole saw piece that goes around it and that auger bit sticks out unless you kind of get centered run that forward for just a few seconds until you get just a little divot then switch the drill into reverse run that drill in reverse and it will slowly cut through the plastic, and then that hole saw, when the teeth start engaging, it'll do the same thing. It'll just, it'll take a little bit longer, but it's not going to rip that, <laughs> rip that plastic out of the way, uh, and that creates a nice clean hole. So
1: we used what three inch for three, the chickens yeah, and we, four for the
0: yeah turkeys. we started with a three inch, uh, three inch elbow initially, and that wasn't quite big enough for the turkeys. Some of the smaller turkeys could, but the real big Tom we have couldn't easily get his head in there, and we didn't we didn't want it to be one of those things where he's, you know trying to scrape up his face, trying to get in there and get things. So, so what we did is, uh, I'll have to get the exact dimensions, but I think you need about a quarter inch or maybe half inch bigger than the the actual pipe size. So for a three inch PVC elbow, I think I needed a three and a half inch hole saw. And the easy way to do that is just hold the hold the elbow up to your your hole sign you can figure that out Uh, but we stuck those in with the elbow slanted downward toward the bottom of of the container and what that does is that keeps the feed from spilling out but it lets the birds stick their heads in so they've got a constant supply of food and that should that should mean that maybe once every week or two especially after we've cold turkeys tomorrow that we'll only have to be bringing food in that often rather than once or twice a day
1: right and on on the bright side now they enjoy having the food that's less times a day that i send omri out to go check and make sure their food's full on the downside it's a lot harder to get them to go into their coop at night when they're all very full and
0: omri doesn't
1: make them want to go yeah in. <laughs> omri
0: likes that they don't mob him in the morning right and and stuff but you're right he can't coax them in with a fresh you know trough of food anymore because they're like yeah whatever but overall i think it'll be good i yes. think it will it'll just result in cleaner food because they're not tipping the troughs over sometimes and it will result in less work day to day yeah. And, and honestly, it just makes it easier. You're storing the food right out there. You don't have to have extra space to store the food in the coop or the garage.
1: The, the chickens have been going in easier since we culled all, all the roosters. We still have one. We, the few weeks before we culled, we started putting some colored zip ties on their legs and uh, paid attention to their behavior so we could pick our favorite.
0: Yeah, you can get those little colored bands that are almost like a key ring. It's like a loop of plastic. Uh, that you can work around the the bird's leg we like those for younger birds but quite honestly if you're they just
1: grow out of them so fast yeah
0: and if you're just going to mark birds temporarily for something like culling it's really easy to just have one person grab the bird have the other person quickly put that zip tie around cut off the excess yep and then if you if you are going to save a bird it's a lot easier too, to just go and snip that zip tie off with a, a, a pair of small scissors or or snips or something versus trying to unthread
1: those, oh, those
0: yeah. marking bands. Um, And the reason we we marked our birds because we wanted to find a good rooster that was smart and would lead the birds in, but also wasn't too aggressive. So what we'd start doing is looking for the birds that were just overly aggressive and causing problems in the coop. And you can start to tell once they get to I mean, how many weeks old were they at that point?
1: Uh, let's see we they hatched may 26th so
0: so june july august i don't know four four or five months yeah so they were getting to the point where they were really starting to almost reach maturity and they were just starting to fight more and more and i tell you the hens didn't want to go in the other roosters fought with each other and as soon as we and then and then there were it, about
1: three dumb ones that would never yeah, go in the coop at true. night oh. they're
0: just they were morons. So you don't want to save the morons, and you don't want to save the really puny ones, but you don't want to save the super aggressive ones. So we found uh th- the blue banded one as we refer to him. He was our winner. He was he was strong and and big and relatively even tempered and and you know the hens didn't seem to mind him too much. So um once we got rid of the other birds, though the other roosters, it was just night and day different of being able to get them into the hen house at night. Yes. And they were fairly tasty as well.
1: Yeah. And they started laying eggs this week.
0: Yeah. We've had a couple of chicken eggs.
1: The hens, not the roosters, obviously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not the ones we, we called. Right. <laughs> um, real small eggs at this yeah, point. pull it eggs. Yeah, just, just their first couple eggs. And they usually tend to get bigger as they as they go along. We haven't had chickens, but that was the way it, that's always been with the ducks. The first few eggs are nothing to get too excited about. But nice brown color you know we have these buff orpington nice reddish brown birds and their nice reddish brown eggs so looking forward to having some of those
1: so much cleaner than duck eggs yeah ducks yeah. drink so much water their eggs come out covered in poop quite and... messy yes
0: so that's kind of exciting omri was happy to do to uh, to find that they were laying eggs and that just means though the next thing we need to do now is is nesting boxes because we don't have any of those in the coop they just kind of make their nest in the in the bedding on the floor, and I really don't want to be stepping on them. Nope. Uh, what are some ideas? You you had some ideas for nesting boxes that um, you were reading about. Milk
1: crates, maybe, um, or old tires.
0: Yeah, if you want just like a little box on, or a little ring on the ground. Um, I know you can get the nesting boxes in the store. The little like little one foot by one foot things. You just kind of screw to the wall.
1: Just don't want to spend twenty five bucks no, for a little no, piece of plastic.
0: No, not for something you can make with some, some spare plywood or something or some boards. You were talking about though putting curtains up. On yeah, your I, nesting I box. read
1: I read that putting, because I research I read, <laughs> I read that putting curtains on their nesting boxes uh will help encourage them to go broody, um which we'll want in the spring. And just gives them a little bit of privacy and makes them feel safe.
0: It's kind of like uh, when they they hide in the bushes, we had one chicken that got stuck. We have this hedge that kind of hides our propane tank from from view. I guess the previous owners put it in. And behind that hedge there's a little plastic lattice, I guess you would call it. And anyway, the the bushes grow right up against that lattice and one day a chicken just like they, they like to go hang out in there and the guineas when when the guineas were still alive, and most of them are dead at this point but they loved to hang out under that bush but this one chicken it, it just got it got stuck. wedged in between Ugh. uh we had to We spent a half hour trimming it was trimming mess.
1: that bush to get it out
0: but anyway they like so they like kind of a place to hide out and so we might try it we might try that out we'll see if we ever show you some pictures of the inside of the coop and you think who are these crazy people putting up curtains for their chicken it's not a fashion thing we're just we're just hoping they will be better mothers and and want to sit on some nests there
1: now i want to make it a fashion thing now <laughs> oh, you want
0: to make it yeah here we go sorry guys <laughs> no we'll we'll see maybe, maybe we'll have different suites we'll have like the you know we'll decorate them different ways there we go <laughs> what else do we have going on here um oh yeah so water is the other thing we talked a little bit about feed
1: yeah, water's one that we started working on and hit some roadblocks and are rethinking.
0: Yeah, so when we've done ducks, we've done ducks one or two different winters. I can't remember this point.
1: I don't remember one or two. But uh, that was when I was in charge of them a couple years ago. And we got like the little on the ground plastic heaters that they're. Plastic waters are supposed to go over, and they didn't work very well. Um, it's just like a
0: base, and you set their normal water the, on top like, of it.
1: It would keep the very, very bottom thawed, but not the rest of it. The rest of it would freeze. And, it yeah. But I would just go refill their little kiddie pool every day and go out once or twice and stomp on the ice and break it up for them.
0: Which is okay, but it's still a pain.
1: It is, and it made the duck yard very slippery.
0: Yeah, because you're essentially just you have creating to dump a it out sheet every day. of ice, yeah. and then you're adding another layer of ice. Um, not the greatest solution. So this this year, we were kind of thinking about, okay, how are we going to deal with needing water in potentially four different places? The ducks, uh, the one guinea that we have, we've been kind of putting him back in his isolated side of the coop. Ca-
1: we caught him. Uh, yeah. he'd, he'd been <laughs> running wild all summer long. And as every other guinea got picked off, the one gimpy guinea was left and kept roosting on the kid's playhouse every night. And finally, one day, I just happened to see him walk back into the coop and managed to shut him in. So I don't know whether that was a great idea or if I just should have let him become a coon snack. I don't know.
0: It's kind of one of those things. It's like you almost feel bad because he has no more flock he'll kind of be around the other birds sometimes, but the geese will chase him off and he's, he's got a little bit of a bum leg and I don't know. I just, I, I didn't have the heart to put him out of his misery. Cause I'm like, well, you know, you kind of survived through all this, but yeah, I was worried that, especially when we had that week where it was snowy and, and kind of drizzly and stuff that this bird was just going to freeze up on top of the swing set. It wouldn't, cause it would never go seek any shelter. I thought, okay we can get it back inside we'll leave it inside for a few weeks maybe we'll put up a little bit of a, an area um on the back with some fencing that he can run around in just for his own good because I, I don't know that he's smart enough to to really no. <laughs> stay out of trouble um but anyway so we would have the ducks the guinea the chickens potentially and the roosters um sep- or yeah sorry I did it again, chickens and turkeys separate from each other. So potentially four different waterers. And then on top of that, thinking about, okay, well, we've got the hose that we have to deal with. And in the past, we've done everything from trying really hard to make sure that's completely drained to bringing the hose inside the house, disconnecting it from the faucet and bringing it inside the house so that it stays warm and doesn't freeze to... Forgetting about it and having to deal with bringing the the waters inside the house to fill up. Yes. So, none of those are optimal. Uh, We were talking about a few different ideas.
1: Yeah, we were looking into... um, They make little heaters that you can put in buckets of water to supposedly keep them thawed. Or they make insulated electric buckets that... Uh, you you plug in and the bucket itself bucket itself warms up.
0: We have some chicken specific waterers that have like the little tray or the little um, the little peck nipples that they peck at and it lets water out, and we thought, well, maybe we would just do our own.
1: Yeah, so we got a couple of the insulated uh, electric bucket things, and
0: they're really designed for you know like a goat or a horse right. or something. They're like a, a five gallon bucket with a handle.
1: Yeah, so we're gonna have to figure out how to fashion a lid for it. And anyway, but we we start drilling in to attach the little <laughs> chicken nipples for them to <laughs> drink from, and it was a, a double layered. Bucket. Yeah, it was a
0: double wall bucket, so.
1: So we don't wasn't think that's gonna work.
0: Gonna work. So back to the drawing board on that. We may end up just looking for some other type of bucket that we can put a heater in. Um, I just don't want to do the base heaters anymore. They just no, it just didn't work well. It didn't keep it thawed enough. Uh, the other thing we were kicking around was whether to do a heated hose. You can buy heated garden hoses. We found one at the farm store, but it was only 50 foot, and we really need 100 foot to get out to where our turkeys are. So that's not a real great option. And these just, they have a they have a plug on them and then it connects in and there's a thermostatically controlled heating element that will kick on and keep the, the hose warm enough that water won't freeze in it. But to get one that's 100 foot long, most of those are like designed for RVs and they are expensive, like a few hundred dollars for a 100 foot hose. So I don't know. Don't know if we want to go that route.
1: No.
0: But one thing we did pick up was some quick disconnect hose ends. So what you can do is you can put these on your garden hose and it works very similarly to the way an air hose works if you have, you know, pneumatic tools or or things like that where there's a little collar and you pull that collar back and then it it disconnects. So you attach one to your spigot and you attach one to your hose attach one to the other end of your hose and one to say your, your spray or whatever you're going to put on the end of it. And then you can just, you know, quickly pop it off rather than trying to unthread them. So we at a minimum, will probably use those and then just, you know, quickly disconnect our garden hose um, and take it inside. That may be the solution we end up going with. Uh, Now we have not had a chance to test out whether those fittings are going to freeze when they get a little bit of water in them. So We'll see. This could backfire on us, but we're we're gonna give it a try, see what happens. So what are we doing tomorrow?
1: Tomorrow we're butchering turkeys. Not all of them, but at least four, maybe five. Probably four.
0: Yep. Have a few for our neighbors and one for your sister. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we'll do our big Thanksgiving Tom yet. Yeah, he's he's a pretty good sized bird. He's probably not gonna get too much bigger between now and then, but I don't know how how much time I want to. I don't know
1: how much freezer room I've got, yeah, yeah, He's he, big
0: he's he's quite large, so he'll be good um we bought a big old pot to try the scalding method that we were talking about for the chickens um I don't remember sixty quart sixty quart, yeah, so fifteen gallon pot it may I, not be big I don't big think enough. it's gonna be, big enough, it's gonna be big enough for him uh, we'll try and get some pictures of that when that happens because that'll be hilarious. Uh, if, if we could even make it work but yeah anyway probably should wrap it up for the night and uh, head out to the tent with the kids and get some rest so we can do that tomorrow thanks for tuning in for episode five and we'll see you back here for episode six again you can find the episode on com slash five and we're all we're on most of the major podcast outlets as well you can search for us there if we're not on one that you particularly want let us know and we'll see what we can do Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.